In the name of our triune God of love. Amen. Birth pangs. Sometimes the gospel just plain preaches itself, doesn't it? All this will be thrown down. Wars, rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, earthquakes and famines. We may as well add shootings and fires and floods. But do not be alarmed, he says. These are just the beginning of the birth pangs. Just the beginning of birth pangs. Do not be alarmed, all this will be thrown down. Oppressive power structures, sinful economic hierarchies, epidemic injustice, people divided against one another, hatred and judgment turned toward humanity rather than toward systematic sin, great angst and distress, greed, throwing creation off balance, disaster after disaster in nature. Hatred dehumanizing, causing massacre after massacre. Entitlement and wealth thriving among some so that others starve and freeze beyond the blinders of the rich. But all this will be thrown down. This is just the beginning of the birth pangs. In the grand scheme of things, 2,000 years really isn't that long. But I would have thought we'd have evolved as a humanity enough so that Jesus' apocalyptic teaching sounded a bit more like history and a bit less like current events. Wouldn't you think? It's enough to inspire us to throw in the towel. And yet, it's not all bad news. In fact, today's gospel may be the most realistic and beautiful good news we could hope to hear. Because it's birth pangs. Love Jesus. This is his feminine wisdom. There is no apathy in the birthing process. If you have given birth or witnessed someone giving birth, you know it is work. Every brain cell, every muscle, every ounce of strength is engaged. To what end? So that the miracle of new life might emerge. Each of you, each of us, is a result of that. Now, the last time I used a birth metaphor in a sermon, a year or so ago, I was quoting activist Valerie Kerr. She can often be heard comparing the process of birthing her daughter to the process of bringing about a new, love-centered society. It takes strength and endurance, but... She implores her audiences, we must breathe, and then we must push. After I preached Valerie Kerr's Breathe and Push, a couple members of our youth group told me that they couldn't believe that I went there. (laughs) But maybe, maybe it's time to start going there a little more often. Our scripture certainly gives us plenty of material. In our first reading today, we learn that Hannah waited so long to become pregnant, to experience birth pangs, to hold new life. Her son, Samuel, was finally conceived and grew up to be a prophet who learned to hear God's voice. Samuel anointed Saul, 
the first king over Israel, and then anointed a shepherd boy, an ancestor of Jesus, David, as king. Samuel had a pretty big impact on the unfolding of major events in our Judeo-Christian heritage, but Hannah had to wait for him. We wait, too. We wait for clarity on what is waiting to be born through us. We wait to see what these societal birth pangs will lead to. We wait for Christ to come again in and through us, to heal us and guide us, to reunite us one to another across labels and divides. We wait for the wisdom to understand one another better, the courage to forgive one another, the creativity to find new ways. We wait for the abolition of poverty, injustice, prejudice, and war. We wait, we wait, and we wait. Hannah waited so long and prayed so passionately that Eli thought she was drunk. We, as the body of Christ, waiting thousands of years, could use some of Hannah's very sober passion. Some say... We are already in that season of waiting, that season of Advent, as we begin to read Jesus' apocalyptic messages, which we will continue to read until Christmas, until the Christ child is born again in the gardens of our lives. We need to know that composting must happen before a new seed can take root. All this will be thrown down. The good news that will be hard for us to celebrate is this. We, in affluent suburban northeast United States of America, are deeply embedded in that which needs to be thrown down in order that the kingdom of God might be built up. We are deeply embedded in that which needs to be thrown down. We will need to loosen our grip on a standard of living that is unsustainable, unrealistic, and quite frankly greedy. We are among the few worldwide who consume so much oil, live in so much square footage per person, and throw away the food that we are just not in the mood to eat. We pay membership fees to use our energy and strength on machines and gyms that do not help anyone do anything, while others break their backs growing our food and making us our clothes. We'd like to say that the kingdom is hindered by criminals or politicians or those on the other side of the aisle or the 1%. When we think about what needs to be thrown down in order for the kingdom of God to be brought up, there are many potential scapegoats that we could focus on to let our own consciences off the hook. These scapegoats present themselves in droves and they are easy targets. But blaming is simply ineffective and takes no courage. Birth takes courage. Birth takes inward focus. Birth transforms. And we are being asked to take part in the birth of the kingdom of God. Are we ready? Are we able? Are we willing? The good news is that we, each and every one of us, 
are stronger than the things that have a hold on us. The good news is that that which wants to be born through us is stronger than us. The good news is that we have it in us to be a part of what God is trying to give birth to. The good news is the kingdom of love has, I do believe, passed its due date and is ready to arrive. Amen.